Hey, coaches, players, and parents, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show today, but I wanted to let you know about the video course I have available to purchase on CoachTube. This course titled Plan, Prepare, and Execute Your Skill Development Program is nine videos with nearly 60 minutes of content. It also includes a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and a PDF version of my notes used to teach this course. You get all this content for $12.95. That's right, $12.95. Plus, as a bonus for purchasing this course and downloading my book, The Skill Development Playbook, you also get access to my free five-day course with over three hours of video content that complements my book. Go to CoachTube.com and type my name, TJ Jones, in the search box, and my course will come up. So you get my plan, prepare, and execute your skill development course, which includes my notes I use to teach the course, a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and access to my free five-day course with over three hours of content that complements my book. So go to CoachTube today and get better. Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, season six, episode number seven. We got a special guest for you today. Coach Corey Harris is with us to drop some knowledge. Coach, I appreciate you being here today. Appreciate you, Uh, Coach. It's an honor to be here. Before we get started, before we jump right in and talk about skill development, will you tell everybody a little bit about your background, how you got started in skill development, and kind of what you're doing now with uh, over in China. Sure. So uh, I originally got into skill development because I recognized a need uh, within my own uh, basketball career, my, my young life when I was younger, uh, 18, 19 years old, was trying to learn the game, wanted to improve my abilities. And looking around, I didn't see anybody that was teaching in my area. Um, skill development wasn't even really a, a industry back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was – pretty, I don't know, pretty, pretty new. And so um, I started working with kids in the local rec centers, you know, YBOA leagues, um, kids in the neighborhood. I actually first started working out and training other people in my mother's backyard, you know, just whoever wanted to work out. And so um, I didn't know that I was doing something that could be turned into a business. I was just doing something that I like to do. You know, when you coach in those youth leagues, it's volunteer, it's, it's no pay. You know, and it's whoever, you know, just wants to give back to the kids. And um, a lot of the parents, they just really liked what I was doing. And um, they started offering to pay me to work with their kids outside of the, you know, one-hour practices we had every week. And so we were having a lot of success. Um, I think over those three to four years, our kids went from playing rec ball and they couldn't make their middle school or high school teams to making those teams. Some of them went on to play college basketball. You know, and these were kids that typically wouldn't even get picked, you know, in a tryout. And now they were developing rapidly. So I started, you know, reading the signs and, you know, I went from charging $5 a session to, you know, 10, 15. um, But I always remained true to the fact that I was just trying to give back. And so I think because I was taking that approach rather than trying to be, be, you know, the world's best businessman, it grew fairly quickly. And um, 
I partnered with a guy named Gannon Baker, who a lot of people know in the industry. Um, he became a mentor of mine. I was certified under him back when that that meant something. And, um, you know, I just tried to learn as much as I could. And so um, just travel the country, um, had some great opportunities to work with different people. Um, I'm in China now, you know, coaching in the CBA um, for the Beijing Royal Fighters. Um, I've, I've, this will be my third year uh, once we get back over there, going into my third year. So God is good, man. It's just, a, it's been a wild journey, um, 12 years now, which isn't too long, but it's, 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 it's pretty long for me. So I'm yeah. enjoying it. Yeah, because I know when I got started, man, back in 2001, it was so hard to find information on skill development. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, you know, like today you can hop on YouTube or go to a different website or you can find so much information. But at that time, you know, 12 to 20 years ago, it's, it was difficult finding information. Right. <laughs> um, and then if you found someone that, that had experience in it, it's like they didn't want to share that information right. with you. Um, but one thing about your story that that I really resonate with is when you said you worked with those kids that usually don't mm -hmm. get picked, those kids mm -hmm. that um, don't make the basketball team, seventh, eighth grade basketball team. Now, in my opinion, I feel like that's how you really, really sharpen your craft, because I feel like if you can take a kid that don't know, that really don't understand how to play or they lack talent, you right. have to be able to really teach them the game. So do you think coaching those players, those inexperienced players, when you first got started, do you think that's really helped you get to where you are today? Because I've always felt like if I can take a kid that's in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, or even middle school, junior high, that don't really have the talent, but they have a great attitude and they work hard, if I can teach that player and get them to reach their goal, then the, the really good players – Mm -hmm. be easier for me in, in a sense. Do, do you kind of feel that same way or what are your thoughts oh, on that? I, I agree a hundred percent, 100 percent coach. Um, I think coaching on that level is the most important because what, what coaches have to do on high school, college and, you know, pro levels is they have to sometimes fix what the youth level coaches either neglected or screwed up you know, um, working with, you know, the young kids, like I, I had one kid who was, I think he was like a fifth grader when I first uh, met him. He came to the gym, Kool-Aid stains on his shirt. He didn't even have basketball shoes, jean shorts, you know, and we worked together until his freshman year of college, right? So he was a first generation, you know, college student. No one in his family ever got an academic scholarship or athletic scholarship. And it wasn't so much just the wielding of my like training sword, so to speak on the court, it was learning how to manage the up and downs that come with that age. Like, you know, dealing with school and peer pressures and, you know, growing up in a, a rough community, uh, dealing with the temptations of the streets and him having to choose, you know, to stay the course when maybe it just didn't feel like it was working. You know, some days he don't want to work. Some days he's, He's tired, you know, mentally. Some days he's dealing with the loss of a friend or a loved one, you know, and, and he has to figure out within himself if he can keep going. And you're right there with him through that. And maybe every trainer's experience isn't the same. Some guys go straight to working with high-level players because they might know some people. Some guys have a business structure that allows them to 
kind of play the networking game, you know what I mean? And, and use social media and, you know, they're connected to people that maybe I would have dreamed to be connected to 10 years ago. But I'm so thankful for the chance to start in the mud, in the dirt with people who didn't look like they were going to be anything, you know what I'm saying, in the game, because it taught me the patience that comes with mm-hmm. building blocks of someone's game. Like, you don't just jump straight into Euro steps and, you know, between the leg, cro- like, do you even understand the rules of the game? You know what I mean? Right. Do you even know, like, spacing? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> those are the things that we're seriously lacking right now in, in the industry. So, you know, yeah, you, you, you're right, 100% right. That, that, that beginner level is the most important, in my opinion. Yeah, I was doing a, um, a Zoom for uh, the virtual coaches clinic earlier okay. this year in the spring. And I told the coaches, I said, if you really want to sharpen your, your craft and see how well you can teach the game, find a local third or fourth grade team that is inexperienced and go out and volunteer your time and teach those, teach those kids. If you can teach mm-hmm. those kids, if they can understand what you want, what that, what you, if they can understand what you want them to do and they can go out there and do it, yeah. that'll really make things much better, much easier for you when you get ready to coach right. at a higher level. So um, I'm real big on that. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's totally different, man. It's, it's totally different. So, what is your definition? It's, it's communication skills, too. I, and not to cut you off. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What's my definition? No, no, go back to what you were saying about communication. Well, I, I just wanted to say, yeah, for, for the coaches out there, especially for me as a young coach, right, I'm still a baby in the industry. We just want to tell a kid what to do yeah. and then, like, you know, step in and, uh, you know, correct a few things here and there. But that's not real coaching. No. You know, you can – you have to sometimes coach with physical touch. You have to sometimes demonstrate so they can see it with their eyes. Sometimes they can't hear a word or a cue, right? And then now you're coaching, you know, by, by their ears and what they hear from you. But the best coaches know how to, like, put all of that stuff together, right? So for me, communicating with children um, put me at a point where I had to realize, like, they're going to ask you questions and you have to slow down so that you can actually hear what they're asking and make sure you're answering it where they can understand it. And so now working with pros, especially in China, because of the language barrier, I'm working through a translator, you know, and sometimes a translator, he's not saying what I'm trying to say. He's saying what he thinks I'm saying, Yeah. you know? And so your communication has to be so flexible to the point where even he could pick it up. And then when he delivers it to the player, they can pick it up. But I would have never learned a different communication style. I would have just kept speaking how I was spoken to. Mm-hmm. You know, my coaches, they cussed me out. You know, they, <laughs> you know, for real, like they, no, every I've, day I've in practice. There. You know what I'm saying? Like every yeah. single day, every other word was, you know, F you, F this, you yep. sweet, you soft, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you you can't go to a, a kid with that that's not used to that. So, you know, knowing how to turn it on and turn it off, that's what these, these younger trainers, I'm not going to say they don't know because I'm not going to assume anything, but that's what I'm not seeing. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not talking to the, to the kid or talking to the players and actually correcting them in ways where they can grasp it and it makes sense. Yeah. So something that you said when you're talking about giving directions, we want to just tell the kid basically where to go and what to do. I try to let coaches understand that's the difference between mm-hmm. giving directions and, and giving instruction. Um, 
You know, and exactly. I use the analogy with my kids. You know, my kids can get a a, a box, uh, a cake mix, and follow directions mm -hmm. and bake a cake, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it doesn't make them someone that knows how to actually, or they can make a cake. They they don't really know how to how to make a cake, right? You know, like yeah. they can make yeah. one, but <laughs> they gotta follow these directions. Um, and we do that a lot in skill development. They ain't no chef. Yeah, they not. Yeah, they not. They nothing like that, but. Um, a lot of times we want to tell kids, go to this cone, go to that cone, go to this cone, shoot this shot, and let's do that 10, 11, 12 times. But they're not understanding the fine details. Right. Um, so we can give directions on how to do the drill, but we have to give them instructions right. on how to actually perform that skill. And that's a lot of, a lot of right. things that we see are missing with a lot of these, with a lot, with a lot of coaches. So, uh, and I think that's why it's important for us to have mentors. I know you mentioned that, you know, Gannon Baker's your mentor, and I know he's real mm -hmm. big on more than just doing drills. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, and then when you talked about the uh, way your coaches communicate with you, every coach is different. Every player is right. different. I actually have a kid now that was struggling with their coach because their coach came at them similar to what you were saying. They didn't, they're not cussing mm -hmm. at them, but mm -hmm. they were like, oh, don't, don't don't give her a high five. She ain't do nothing. You ain't done, you know, that type of stuff. And so this kid has to get that that motivation from a coach, but in more of a positive sense. So exactly. that leads to understanding your players and having establishing a relationship with them. So sure. that's that's really big. And I like to kind of pay attention to how the parents interact with their with their kids. And then that kind of tells me what direction I can take when it comes to uh to coaching them. Because that gives you a That's lot good. of detail in that sense. Right. Um, so what is your definition of skill development? And how important is it to the game of basketball? Wow, that's a that's a very deep question, but yet <laughs> I feel like it's simple at the same time. Okay, so I I guess I'll say what skill development is not, and hopefully that'll help me to circle around to a, a easy, easy answer. Um, skill development is not what I was doing for the first three to five years um, of my business. So I was one of those guys that was like dribble to here, you know, cross over, get to that cone, you know, behind the back. And um, I was creating drill robots, mm. right? So I had a lot of kids in a short period of time who loved working with me because of my energy, my passion. Like I said, I was a Gannon Baker disciple, right? But what a lot of people, who who know me now, they know my background in playing was very like unorthodox. So I was actually coaching well before I was like playing on a high level, you know? And so I learned a lot of things on the fly and I had to do some apologizing. I had to do some soul searching and I had to do a lot of like self, um, like I had to audit myself as a coach yeah. as I was going through it. And so I had some kids who I would, come back to after a few years then working with them and I'm basically telling them like we're scrapping that stuff like we're, we're, we're shifting and so I learned skill development was not what I was doing and um, going to kids and making them feel confident in a workout but yet they get in a game and that stuff's not translating yep. that's not skill development um, making a player believe that if they can perform a certain move without even understanding the timing of it or why we're going to use that or where the defense is, if this is even like game applicable to your level, 
and also not factoring in what their role was within their teams. Because once I got to the high school level, it wasn't free for all anymore. Like it wasn't whoever gets the rebound just pushes it. Guys have roles, girls have roles. And um, you're working with kids who, yeah, they want to work on certain things because they see it in the game when they watch their favorite players, but that's not them. They need to catch and shoot. They need to cut, move it out the ball. They set screen. They crash the glass, you know, they hustle. I wasn't aware of that. So I think all of that helped me to realize that skill development was taking the game, starting with just the game, like the game itself, right? And not even just a general broad sense of the phrase, the game, but like their game, their levels game, their coach's philosophy, which which dictates the game. Applying that to now my philosophy and how I'm trying to develop you and then allowing that to be put into like a program or a process of helping you grow your game. And so you have to be taught in order to know how to teach. And so um, it took me, it took me some time, but that's, that's where I've landed on now. That's where I'm kind of at. And I feel like that definition could change <laughs> again. It's always evolving, you know, with me. Man, I've got, I, I asked every person I interview that question and I've got mm-hmm. a number of different different answers so you know it's 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 never a a right or wrong answer uh every coach has their own perspective and and that's going to be based on their experiences right Mm -hmm. Uh, their experience as a player and their experience as a coach um but i i was the same way man i i had to really do some soul searching when i first started i didn't know how i was supposed to do this i just knew from my experiences and my practices and then I ran up on Gannon Baker online, and I'm thinking, he's mm-hmm. so full of energy and right. energetic, man. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing – Yeah. I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing it like this. You know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this dude is, <laughs> is – I mean, just energy is on right. 1,000. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to mimic that for right. about a year, and I'm like, okay, this, this ain't This ain't it. it. Right. And then I saw Mike Procopio, mm-hmm. and I saw that – when I first looked at him, I was like, man, this dude can't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Look like a little banker. Look like a little businessman. Yeah. And so um, I started hearing some of his stuff and reading some of his, his different things. And I said, okay, this is more my speed for it. I can be myself. That's, that's what mm-hmm. I learned from him. I can be myself mm-hmm. and still get the same results that I need to get. And, uh, but I'm, I'm just, I'm like you, man. I, I love to just learn on my you know teach myself so mm-hmm. if we as a coach are not trying to develop ourselves then we're not going to develop the play sure. so you've coached and trained kids from the very beginning that's mm-hmm. just now picking up a basketball all the way up to the professional level yeah there are going to be some differences and some similarities when it comes to skill development what would you say are some of the similarities between uh, a kid that's that's getting start that's getting started and and a and a player that's a professional? When I say similarities, meaning what are some of the things that you? Oh, can you hear me? It just froze. Yeah, I can still hear you. I think similarities between the kids that's just starting and a pro. Yeah, just you know, just. I know a lot of times uh, people think that if, if you're a beginner or if you're in middle school, junior high, you're mm-hmm. not going to work on some of the same things right. that pro work on. 
But in actuality, right, exactly. you're still going to work on footwork, still going to work on ball yep. handling. So what yep. are some of the similarities that you've seen when working with yeah. players and professional players? So I guess the biggest similarity for me, and it's, it's general, but it's got all those specific details in it, is pros just do very fundamental things very quickly. Mm. And youth players, they just do them very very slowly, you know, and, and compare pro. Now there's some youth players who are like really accelerated. Um, you watch Phil Handy work with, um, you know, the, the young girl that he's always with on his YouTube videos, she would be considered a youth player, but her skill is probably, you know, getting close to that of some high school girls, mm -hmm. right? So your basketball age is different from your chronological age, but I will say that we don't really understand as, for me, like before I ever worked with any pros, within a team setting, right? Because when I worked with pros before, I only saw them when I saw them. I only saw them in off season. So my view of them was, well, you know, they're working on these moves with me. They're doing these type of shots and we're working on whatever skill it was. And that was my understanding of their skill level. But now being in a team setting where I'm around them every day, I see what they actually can do. And so it doesn't matter what they can do in a workout. It doesn't matter what they can just do in a one-on-one -on -one setting. Those things are like, uh, it's like, okay, I know you have the potential to shoot a step back three, but when it's live and the lights are on and the crowds, you know, and the popcorn's going and all that, yeah. that's not your game, right? Right. So right. in a sense, it's still extremely fundamental from player to player, like, okay, your job, you need to work on reading when to cut back door. Mm -hmm. With a kid, you would teach them the same exact thing. But with a kid, you would be teaching them like why, because they don't they don't understand even why can't I just stand here and wait for somebody to just pass me the ball? Right. Like I want the ball. Like I'm I'm not cutting, I'm not running over there. And then he might not throw it to me. Come on, coach. Like you you tripping. You know, but that's the, the common thing is like the cut is the same. The the how to do the cut is the same. Sometimes the the why is different. Right. In in the pros, you might have to do it in order to space the floor or to, to open up space for the main guy so he can have an opportunity to score on the wing and or we want an empty side ball screen on the on the left side. So we gotta get that corner, got a back door out. He's not even cutting to get the ball. His right. understanding of why he's cutting might be different. It might just be, well, this is for this this action we're running, and maybe I'll get it on a spot up three on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. But for a youth player, it's the same cut, it's the same read, but you're trying to teach them in a way that it validates them. So they need to know they're gonna actually get a, a pass, a backdoor pass. You know, they need to actually feel the ball like being delivered to them, get that layup. Why? Because they wanna be validated too. They wanna feel like, you know, what they're learning is gonna lead to some sort of um, success, personal success. And so the, the similarity between the two is the skills, they don't change but the like approach to it and understanding how it affects the situation is different from pros to youth. And like, that's what most coaches and trainers, individual coaches, excuse me, I don't want to say coaches, like those who work on staffs, but that's what a lot of these entrepreneurs don't get. They don't, they don't want to talk to the, their pro players or their pro clients and keep it real with them right. as far as, hey, like, look, I know you only get five shots a game. They don't want to say that. Yeah. They know their, their client might get offended, you yeah. know. So instead of us putting a ball in your hands 90% of the workout, 
how about you go back door and relocate opposite? And then when I drive, just as a, you know, a dummy offensive player, I hit you on the weak side and you catch and shoot that. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the, the common thread between the two that I've seen is, first of all, I got to know how to really teach the game. Like, I got to be able to teach these skills. But for pros, like, I have to know how to teach when and why. With the kids, for the most part, teaching them how to drop step or jump off two feet and make a layup versus jumping off one foot, they're not going to really know exactly when they're going to use it in a game. You just should be teaching them both, like, and make sure they can master it because it's all reaction. They're just running fast and, you know, that's, they're just, all they care about is the end goal. But with the pro, the process is so much more important because there's so many moving parts and playing time is affected. Money is affected. Like it's, mm -hmm. I could go on and on, but it, it's, it's no different, but yet it's, it's vastly different at the, at the same time. But the difference is not in the skills. The, the speed is just different. Yeah. That, that, that's the biggest thing. Well, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions, man, and I'm, sure. I'm going to let you go. Um, I know you say you might have a, a catch a flight. Um, so we talked about the similarities, and I feel like one of the biggest differences between a high-level player that's really committed and your average player is mm -hmm. their approach to skill development, their maturity level, uh, their taking ownership. So what are some things that you've noticed with your professional players and their approach to skill development and taking ownership to that development versus a youth player and their mm -hmm. approach? And I know there's always an exception to the rule. You're going to always have right. those pros that don't take ownership for that development. And you're going to always, and you're going to also have some, some youth players that really just, they're different mentally um, right. and, and they take ownership, but typically, What's the difference between the pro player and the, the youth player? I think with, with the more locked in, committed, you know, pro, and even some college guys, I think it's about their willingness to come in with a plan. Like when I worked with, with kids every day, I was the center of the universe when it was the training session. Like whatever I said, it went, you know, and with a, a really good player, college pro, someone who probably works with multiple trainers, right? Or has worked with other coaches. Um, they're gonna tell you what they need, what they don't need. Now, I know some really, really good players, <clears throat> excuse me, who, you know, they just come in and they do whatever they're told. And they're still really good. You know what I mean? They're talented, they've been blessed. But for the most part, guys get to that level because they sacrifice certain parts of their game or certain things that they know they don't do that well to focus on something to become great at. And so I've heard stories and I myself, I've, I've been humbled before where you're working with a guy, he's like, man, I don't do that, you know, or I would never do that, you know, or that's not going to work in a game. And when you're a young trainer or even an older trainer, yeah. What you going to do in that moment? You going to tell him like, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, or it's my, it's my session. So, you know, the number one thing for me is players that come in and like ask real questions. Mm -hmm. Why, why are we doing this? You know what I'm saying? Or how does this apply? Players that challenge you, you know, and they say, Hey coach, explain, explain it a little bit more. Where's the defense on this? 
You know, yeah. if I'm doing pick and roll and they say, oh, where's the, the, the screener's defender? Where's weak side? Who am I reading? You don't want to be that coach that's like, uh, 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 you know, and you can't <laughs> answer because, yeah. you know, now they just lost a little bit of respect for you. And players that work in collaboration with you to develop an actual development plan. Um, a guy that I, I loved working with last year was Kyle Fogg. He was our, our starting guard. And, you know, you get a couple foreign players on your team in, in China. And, uh, with him, we throughout the quarantine, we worked together. And he was, like, adamant about what shots are we shooting, what spots are we shooting them at, you know, and uh, how many are we going to get, and what situations are you putting me in? Can you look through film with me and show me my weaknesses, you know, and how are we going to attack these weaknesses, you know? And so with that, I didn't have to mastermind the whole thing alone. Mm -hmm. With the kid on the flip side, you have to be the mad scientist. You have to be the one to look at their body type, look at, you know, their capabilities, look at the things that they learn very fairly quickly, look at the things that may take them longer to learn. You have to ask yourself, you know, what is their potential? What's their ceiling? You know, are they going to grow? Are they probably going to be this height, this athleticism, you know, for the remainder of their career? Are they playing for the fun of the game and the love of the game? Or are they probably just playing because, everyone can look around and tell like this kid's gonna be really really good and this could like get them out of here like they could go to yeah. college like you know when you are working with a, a child it's it's more about okay can I just make sure they understand like the fundamentals of the game and then if something pops and it, it they develop quicker then shoot we might have something and now you give them the, the salt and the pepper and the extra seasoning and all that stuff but I just love working with even kids who are committed to coming in and asking those questions, right? They take care of their bodies outside of the session and they work on their game on their own time. Like it's not a personal attack against you. If you work that kid out and you feel like you killed them and then they stay in the gym still after it's over for another 20 minutes, and you're like, man, I just killed him. Like he shouldn't, he shouldn't be able to shoot anymore. He shouldn't be able to, you know, but no, that, that's the pro mindset and nowadays it's crazy some of these kids have that like they they're copying lebron james because lebron james is accessible you can go on twitter and, and read what he's saying you can watch him on instagram you know that stuff we didn't have we didn't know what our favorite players were always doing so you know that that's the biggest difference but i think that gap is uh is closing i think it's based on now just the personality and how that kid is being raised like do his parents or her parents um nurture that that sort of voice in them to like talk to adults with confidence and ask them real questions and yeah. you know even challenge things that they might not understand yeah well man i got one more quick question for actually before sure. I get to that question I, I would say this Corey hit the nail on the head when he was talking about um, he used an example of a player coming off the pick and roll and that player challenges you as a coach mm -hmm. and wants to know where's the defense, who am I reading, what am I looking for? So that goes to, for me to want every coach to understand, teach what you know. If mm -hmm. you're not comfortable teaching um, playmaking off the pick and roll, then don't teach playmaking <laughs> off the pick and roll. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you would just much rather get a guy in the gym and just give him a, a, just a really good shooting workout where he's going to different spots and getting up shots, 
just tell them that. Say, hey, this is what I'm going to put you through. I'm going to let this other coach teach you to pick and roll. I'm going to let this other mm-hmm. coach teach you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how to drive and kick or how to play make. I'm just sticking with shooting. And players will have so much more respect for you if you do that on the front end and let them know this is what you do and this is what you're comfortable doing. Right. If you're not comfortable teaching a pulse player how to set different screens and how to roll and how to do dribble handoffs, and then don't teach it. <laughs> Just stick with what you know, you know, and, and stay in your lane. And I promise you, you will still be able to get as much success as you want. And, and players definitely will respect you. Because one thing that we don't want as a, as a coach or a trainer is for, is for players to not respect us, uh, especially when it comes to our knowledge. Because we're supposed to be teaching. And if That's we right. pretend like we can teach something when we actually can't, um, that could be damaging to your to your reputation. So let, uh, let me add one more thing, Coach. I'm sorry. Yeah. One more one more thing, and it's it's piggybacking on what you said, but it I can't believe I forgot this. A, a huge difference between those players that are on those high levels compared to the, maybe the beginner players is you don't have to ever coach their effort. You never have to Ooh. coach how um, focused they are in everything they do. Um, one thing I love about seeing a player come in the gym and like they immediately start stretching they immediately go through their own routine before they even start working with you in your routine um those are players that are easy to work with but yet they can be intimidating too because they know like time is valuable and so if you ain't on your stuff they make you you know feel like you probably ain't the one they should be working with and you probably aren't because I mean, it would be like training a Kobe Bryant, you know, or a Diana Taurasi. Like, the, first of all, they're not coming in there really to um, be anything except challenged, yep. right? This isn't this isn't some walkthrough. This isn't some, you know, hey, let's get to know each other and let's just be talking the whole time while we're working. No, like, what we got? What's next? Yeah. And so if you're not, like, rapid fire, like, you know, layering your drill or making sure that, you know, it's – it is challenging, putting time, putting a score in, you'll lose a player like that. And so with kids, I've seen that I'm not only teaching them the skill, I'm teaching them how to work out, like how to actually work out. They don't know the speed of, of a rep. They don't know um, the intensity of a rep. They don't make eye contact, you know, because we're giants to them, right? They look up and, you know, you're a big person. So it's for them, it's intimidating. So they just want to please you. But to give them that freedom to feel confident within their own self. Like, you know, I'm, I'm important, you know, and this actually is about me. This is my workout, you know, mm-hmm. that, that gives that kid that they feel like they have a little bit more authority when they're on the court, like they belong. And you just see pros, they, not all of them, but the best they have that they get on the court and they just know, like, I'm not here to waste time. I'm not here to make friends. I'm competing. And if I'm not competing against anyone, I'm competing against myself, the time, my last score, whatever it was, but I just love that. So that was something I wanted to throw in is the intensity in every rep, you know, pros have that for the most part. Yeah. And, and a lot of times those pros are not doing stuff for, for the ground. They're not doing it for no, like no, no. retweets. And <laughs> no, I'm big on not posting yeah. everything, you know, only certain things, but for the most part, mm-mm. development is ugly. It's really yeah. not, yeah. it's not, it's not pretty, you know, you can't put it on something and get a bunch of likes if you're really doing it the right way. 
Now, if it's just, you know, a, a regular day of one-on-ones, two-on-twos, or it's a shooting workout, they go 15 out of 15 from a spot or something crazy like that. Yeah, you can you can post those things. But for the most part, man, it's a lot of talking back and forth. It's a lot of F-bombs being dropped. Um, it's a lot of balls being dribbled off their foot or, you know, what are you doing? Like, that's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and <laughs> you know, like, that's yeah. not the cut. You know, move your foot. You know, and so people don't want to see that. But that's the real. Yeah. You know, it's the real. Um, so here's the last thing I want to talk about. I, I feel like using sure. film is really, really big in skill development. Um, when I started nearly almost 20 years, well, 19 years ago, um, if you wanted to film something, you got to get out a big camera. <laughs> I had a program where I had to take my laptop and I had to attach it to a, a camcorder that I had. And wow. I could do video analysis. Uh -huh. So I could record it and we would stop, run to the computer, look at it, and be like, okay, you see this and see that. But now we can uh -huh. use film Anything. just on our iPhone. Yeah. Right. Um, so let's talk about real quick how you use film in skill development, which are one-on-one -on -one sessions, and how you use it in a team setting for the mm -hmm. individual to go back into the skill development. For sure. So I started uh, using film back in 2011. I talked with uh, Drew Hanlon back when he was still a point guard. Um, I think he was at Belmont. And, you know, he, he was telling me about his little secret workouts with John Wall, David Lee, different guys. And um, I was like, man, how do, how do you even challenge those guys? You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're a college point guard, which and I was too at the time. And I'm like, you know, but I'm not working with NBA All-Stars or, you know, journeymen. How, how do you get them to respect you? And he said, honestly, it's not about me. It, the film tells the story the film doesn't lie. And so when I work with them, I just put it in their face and force them to be, be held accountable by that. And so now when I tell them, this is the read, this is the pass, or this is the shot, there's no argument. There's, there's nothing they can say. And so um, I jumped into it then um, in a, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, it, it's a lot easier because you just grab whatever film relates to, uh, what you're teaching that day. So, you know, for me in college, I had access to Synergy and now I do too, but there was some time where like, I couldn't use that, right? It's very expensive and Synergy, for those who don't know it, is like the greatest video resource for coaches out there. You can find any film of any college or pro player since like the early 2000s up to, up to date. And it's all broken down for you. So anyway, um, Synergy, I couldn't use that. And so I had to use YouTube and, you know, YouTube is all based on what you search though. It's not organized. It's not even titled correctly. Sometimes it could be Tim Hardaway's greatest highlights. And so you have to sit there and watch and look through a bunch of stuff just to get to whatever it is you really want to get to. Maybe all they're showing is the crossover, but I want to show how Tim jumps into the big who's rotating from the weak side to like kind of pin him and finish with his outside hand at the rim as a smaller guard. It was one of his finishes. <laughs> yeah, I was, right I was a big Tim Hardaway fan. Love me too. Love. Me too. So you know, YouTube was was my <laughs> go-to, and it, it still is to this day. But it's just easier, you know, once you kind of get a sense of okay, I know what I'm looking for, 
and I'm going to use this with this player for maybe th this next month or these next two weeks, right? We're going to refer to it. We're going to maybe start off with this clip and then we'll layer it with another one. Um, but in a team setting, um, and I'm, I'm learning this as I go because it's different in a team setting when you're on a staff and um, you've got multiple moving parts and five guys on the court. Um, it's more about teaching situations. It's more about understanding like time and score rather than just the make or the miss, you know, or moves. So for instance, like I said, working with, you know, Kyle Fogg last, last uh, season, we used film every day. We wanted to help him learn how to work out of the mid post. Um, he, he had never posted up before and we had some opportunities in certain plays where um, he could catch defenders sleeping and bury them and get closer to the rim for higher field goal percentage looks. And so I wanted him to stop working so hard for all his buckets. You know, he averaged 25, 26 points a game, but he worked for those 25, 26 points, right? And um, so what we did was we just broke down our own game film of him coming off pin downs where basically he could, instead of sprinting all the way up to the ball into a DHO and then that turning into a high ball screen with a low shot clock, just come off the pin down and just simply read if your guy's trailing, curl. If he goes under, bury him, sit on his leg. Yeah. And let, let the guy who down screen for you get out. Maybe he could pop out and catch and throw it to you in the low post. So um, in that regard, the team film was used to help one person. But once the team came back together and we're all sitting and watching film every day, that's when actually the most learning takes place because players get to see their mistakes. They get to also see like maybe the play would have worked if you would have been in this spot. Maybe your timing was wrong. Maybe you're, you didn't even set the right screen. And so that's the difference. Like with skill development, a lot of us, we watch the film and we just pay attention to the guy with the ball or the guy who, who gets the oop at the end of the play or whatever. But we don't know what the Heat are running. We don't know what, you know, the Lakers are running. We don't know their actions. You know what I'm saying? So we, we're thinking that the play resulted in success because there was a score, but we don't know that maybe the play was supposed to be completely different because someone was out of position. So for me, I had to learn how to like actually read coverages a lot more. And our assistant coach, uh, Jay Humphreys and Stefan Marbury, they both been great in my development and understanding like spacing on the court, timing on the court, where the defense is, you know, um, like I said, coverages, zone, man, you know, hedging and just knowing where people are going to be without even having to look at them. Like that's what film is for. It's, it's a dance rehearsal. If you watch the film, you actually get to take the test before the teacher puts the piece of paper on your, on your desk. Mm -hmm. You, you get to like look at all the answers. It's a cheat sheet. You know, that's what scouting's for. So in a team setting, it's a lot more important. I think it's a great tool to use. And I use it every time I work out with, with players, not even young players. I, I use it every time with an iPad, pull out your phone, you know, and just show them in two minutes, like, this is what we're going to work on. They're like, their eyes get big, they get excited yeah. because yeah. they're like, that's my favorite player. That's Giannis. You know, he, he just hop stepped and, you know, went up with two hands and flushed it. Well, you're not going to dunk it, Billy. You're going <laughs> to hop step and you're going to go up, you know, and you're going to lay it off too. But still, yeah. like, it's it's a great motivator. Um, I think more coaches on top of that need to use whiteboards 
Like just bring a white whiteboard in your book bag, draw with X's and O's, show them where they're going to make their move, where the defense would be instead of like just using cones, like let them see like the game, the way it'll be presented to them when they get to high school. Cause I noticed like we had pro players on our team last year who didn't know how to read a whiteboard. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's a, that's a normal thing. Like it's, it's, it's not as rare as some would think. Like I didn't know how to read a whiteboard, you know? So, um, if if we as coaches are being real with ourselves, we need to like exhaust every resource we've got mm-hmm. in teaching. And uh, film is great. Um, whiteboard X's and O's are great. Um, and, and master it, practice it on your own as a coach. And then when you go before your players, have confidence and, you know, communicate as effectively as you can. Uh, I, I've heard about synergy. Um, and I know a lot of coaches NBA and colleges use it. I've never had access to it. But one thing that I have to do um, is I just use a, a app, video analysis app, and I have it synced to the TV in the gym I use. So players love seeing themselves on the oh, that's great. TV screen. So if they're struggling with something, I can record them and show it to them and, and, and kind of break it down um, in that sense. So that's kind of how I use film with players. Um, I've tried, you know, every once in a while I go to YouTube and find some clips and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So there are a number of different ways to use film, but we right. are ultimately at the end of the day, like you say, film doesn't lie and it's a great resource and a great tool to use, especially when you're, when you're developing a player. A lot of times we think about film in the sense of a, in a team concept, but it also mm-hmm. works on an individual level. Definitely, definitely. Well, Coach, man, I really, really appreciate you coming on here today and, and dropping some knowledge. Uh, do you have any other little tips or advice you'd like to give anybody listening today? Oh, man, first of all, I apologize for being so long-winded. I just love talking about the game. Um, ah, you any, any tips and tips and advice? I would just say uh, whatever you're doing, whether you're a player, coach, listening to this, even a parent of a player, uh, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, you're not going to um, fail just because you, you made a mistake today or yesterday. You know, you, you have another opportunity. You were blessed with, you know, breath in your, in your lungs. So make the most of that, you know, and, and push forward. Um, if you're a player listening to this, um, be, more, be more proactive with how you approach the game. Like take ownership of your game and be real with yourself. If you're a coach, be more honest with your players. Right. Don't be afraid to lose a player. Um, I've lost players because we just weren't made for each other. You know right. what I mean? It's a relationship, you know, and so sometimes relationships are toxic or they're just not it's not the right time. Maybe that person can't deal with your communication style or, you know, you can't deal with their uh, apathy for the game. They, they lack the hunger. They lack the intensity that you have. It's OK. You know, maybe they just need to play for fun. So um, I think at the end of the day. Um, we got to remember basketball is a gift. Um, it's a children's game, you know, and some of us get paid a lot of money just to teach a children's game. Yeah. So we should be, you know, grateful, man. It's, 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 it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. It's a microcosm of life, but we're blessed to have it. Well, man, why don't you tell everybody real quick how they can get in contact with you or follow you on social media and give uh, all that, all that information. <laughs> sure. So it's pretty simple. Um, my name is Corey Harris, K-O-R-E-Y-H-J-R-R-I-S. You can find me on Twitter, 
uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all under that name, Corey Harris, all one word. Um, you can email me at SOG for student of the game, SOG training co at gmail.com. I'm an open book. Um, any questions you have, just hit me. Uh, and I've got stuff on YouTube, same thing, SOG Training Co. Or you can just Google, oh, excuse me, YouTube search Corey Harris. Well, that's it for today's show. I appreciate everyone that tuned in. I hope you found it valuable and informative. If you like today's show, please share on social media and tag me. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at NBN. B-ball. Also, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and please give me a five-star rating. Also, be sure to check out my book, The Skill Development Playbook. This book will help you understand how to get organized and know what real skill development is. It can be found on my website by visiting tjonesfirm.com forward slash sdp hyphen book. Paperback is $9.99. The PDF version is $3.95. And also going to be found on Amazon. Just search Skill Development Playbook and it should pop up. It's $9.99 for the paperback or $3.99 for the Kindle version. Now, if you need to contact me for anything skill development related, I can be reached by email at info at tjonesfirm.com. That's info at tjonesfirm.com. Again, I appreciate you for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you. God bless.